Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. That is quite a fetching sweater vest you are wearing, my friend. Why, thank you. A cardigan. A button-up <laughs> jumper, if you will. Um, yes. Uh, well, I'm in Wisconsin, where it's very, very cold at present. Chilly-nilly. I'm literally looking out the window at snow. <laughs> ah. Our snow is melting back here in New York. What okay, are you doing in New- Wisconsin? I forget. You had a gig, and then you're... I had a gig, and then my sister lives out here in, in Wisconsin. I'm visiting my sister, her, her three children, and my father, who's been out here for several months. It's a lot of kids. Three children? Yes, I got them up and, and out the door for school this morning at 6 o'clock. It was... Uncle Aki. Oh, that's so cute. Uncle Aki indeed. So cute. <laughs> Uncle Aki is very tired and took a one-hour nap after that. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, but so anyway, yeah. It was only the high-pitched squeals of children that got me out of bed this morning. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yes. That will explain mm-hmm. my my poor sound quality, dear reader and listener, is that uh, I'm in my sister's uh, a guest bedroom in my sister's house with a microphone I did not think we would be using for this. <laughs> You know, sometimes you just got to make do. Sometimes you got to make do. I was on tour last week, and that's why this episode's a little late. We apologize. It's completely my fault. There is no place for me to record in Charleston, South Carolina. Say la vie. I know, the life of a rock star. What can I say? Uh, welcome to Set Phasers. Yes, today's star date is 141138.1, and we're discussing Season 4, Episode 11 of Star Trek Discovery, Rosetta. Let's uh, let's not forget. We are your hosts. I am Stevie Mann. Oh my God! Did we not say our names? I'm also. I'm, we didn't I'm, know. Three and a half minutes in. Whatever. You know who you came to see. <laughs> <laughs> By now, yes, you do. By now, you know you came to see. Yeah. Yes. And fun fact, uh, dear listener, if you are listening to us, and you should try and pull this up on my phone as quickly as I can, but you are listening to Set Phasers, a highly illogical podcast, mm-hmm. which has been voted by you, dear listeners, number 24 in the top 100 after show charts, number 30 in the top 100 science fiction charts, and number 97 what? in the fiction charts on Good Pods. So thank you very much for keeping us uh, in your in your hearts having having the faith of the heart with us oh boy tenuous yeah tenuous no like. hey listen anytime we say faith or heart we work in faith of the heart that's a rule <laughs> on set phase is a highly illogical start yep. podcast uh before we get into the rundown we should uh, get business out of the way and just let you know we have a patreon it's patreon.com slash set phasers we have many wonderful, wonderful things going on there. But is, is this the month we're doing the special thing, Stevie? Yes, this is a month where whatever level you join, you'll get all of the access all of the time. Triple A, as they like to call it. Um, <laughs> and the top... <laughs> what? 
Just the way <laughs> you said A. Triple A. Uh, yeah, so you get all of the access all of the time. It sounds so exciting, doesn't it? But you get uh, ac- early access to the episode's video and yes. audio. You will get access to Netflix watch parties with us. You'll also get access to Zoom hangs with us after our watch parties. And we are going to have to figure out our watch parties because, you know, Netflix uh, has lost oh, the Star God. Trek. So we will figure it out one way or another. Uh. But um, we invite you to join us, to go boldly with us um, in our Patreon adventures and join our Star Trek community. It is quite a little family we have going on. So please do right. join us at patreon.com forward slash set phasers. And with that out of the way, why don't we talk about this episode of Star Trek Discovery? Let's do! <laughs> it's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? All right, gang, I did these notes on a very tiny plane that didn't have TVs, (laughs) Uh, but let's see what we have. So we begin with uh, Captain Burnham's voiceover, basically the setting the stage. We know that a Baker DMA has shown up. We know that uh, the debris from it showing up is headed towards Earth and Navarre. We've got like uh, 29 hours before it hits Earth and Navarre. Everyone's tense about that. Everyone knows it now. But instead of going directly into the hyperfield, Burnham thinks it is important that they first go to this former gas giant planet that was bombarded by asteroids that maybe was the uh, a home planet or has some connection to species 10C. The uh, the sun of that planet is surrounded by Dyson rings that are made of the same material as the DMA's controller. And so she thinks it's important that they go down there. She creates an away team to go down to this planet to find some clues on how they can uh, make first contact, uh, like a Rosetta Stone, if you will. Uh, it's Lieutenant Detmer, Lieutenant Commander Detmer piloting, Dr. Kolber, Dr. Sur- uh, Mr. Saru, and and uh, Captain uh, Burnham herself. Uh, there's a cute moment where Deeratal tells Detmer to, quote, fly good. So perfect. I love that. I know that this will come up in quotable moments, but it yeah. was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Very good. Meanwhile, on Book's ship, which I still don't think has a name, Book and Tarka are trying to launch their own plan. So they've got their eyes on Discovery. They don't know exactly what Discovery's going to do. They're trying to get into the hyperfield. Their plan is basically to, like, hitch a ride on Discovery. And when they get into the hyperfield to then jump off, find the DMA controller, shut it down, take the power source for Tarka to get to the other universe and to prevent any other. I mean, it's flawed in a million ways, and we can get into that in the chat section. But... They decide, let's jump on the ship, but in order to do that, they have to make, they have to get past Zora being aware that they're there, which Tarka is able to make a program for, but in order for them to be able to enact the program, they've got to install it manually, which means they have to sneak aboard Discovery, crawl around, put this thing directly into engineering, and then connect their ship to Discovery, all before Discovery jumps away to the hyperfield. Well, good luck, because the away team's going down to the planet. So, they do that. Meanwhile, on Discovery, President Rillick is chewing into Michael because she's sort of like, hey, you and Saru, the captain and the first officer, are going down to this planet. we got 29 hours until the DMA debris hits Earth and everything, and the, the, the delegates are completely freaking out on me. And do we really need Saru? And Michael's like, well, you know, Saru's an expert. He knows like a billion languages. And I don't know if you saw season one, but Kelpians run super fast <laughs> uh, on their backwards feet. And uh, he has, like, senses that they don't have and stuff. So 
She convinces the president, hey, go along with my plan. She talk, they talk to the delegates. There's uh, mostly people seem to understand uh, President Tarina obviously is, is you know, Navarian, so it's not like they're going to like freak out and be like, no! But they're, you know, expressing an, a sense of urgency. Uh, Dr. Harai uh, is his usual sort of uh, uncouth self. He's like, hey, don't screw it up or we all die. And the only issue they have is with General Ndoye of Earth, basically, who basically thinks they should go straight into the hyperfield. Don't be looking around for anthropological evidence, blah, 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 blah. Just get in there and start talking to Species 10C. We only have 20 hours. You got to do it. But Michael promises her that her way will be, will find a way to help them communicate with Species 10C. And so the away team goes down to the surface. It is what you would imagine a former gas giant. Gas giant, for those of you who don't know, just in case people are wondering, it's like a planet that, yeah, has surface, but mostly is a huge gassy, uh, violent, burny world. Anyway, this world was hit by asteroids, so all the gas would have ignited and the the atmosphere would have gone up in flames and stuff like that. It would kill basically everything in a catastrophic way. And so that's what we see here. Bones, blasted earth. There's some blue dust blown around. They don't know what that is. They see that there's the bones of these huge creatures that are very, like, hollow, like almost like cartilage would have been perfect for living in the floating in the higher, uh, what do you call them? Altitudes of the gas giant, like further out from the center of the planet. So living in that, in the stratosphere, basically. I don't know the technical term, so let's just go with that. Me either. Let's go with altitudes. And they discovered that this huge, the, the bombardment by the, uh, Asteroids that would have caused this like catastrophic event would have been about a thousand years ago, which is around exactly the same time that the hyperfield was created based on their scans. So very likely that this is where species 10C was originally from. Uh, they're wandering around looking for some clues. Saru uh, gets pretty jumpy and defensive and scared, and, and he's hyperventilating. When we see through his vision, it's like pulsing, and we see fire and gouts of flame and uh, it's pretty, he's like, you know, he's just feeling this like high fear response, even though nothing is happening. Uh, but, uh, he's, he sort of gets it under control, although he tells Michael that he feels something he hasn't felt in a long time since the Vaharai, uh, the coming of death. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. You want a real one? Yeah, why not? coming of death uh so <laughs> they discovered that there's a huge installation below it could be something like a mass grave they're going to go down that way they go that way saru's still freaking out so michael tells dr colbert to check on him to see what's going on colbert as he's checking on saru also starts to become super panicky and freaked out and understands where saru's coming from he starts to sort of lose that sense of calm and while Detmer and the captain are looking around and sort of being frustrated by not finding anything, uh, Captain Burnham also gets affected by this crazy thing. So now they're all standing around. Three of them are completely freaking out. And Detmer is very calm. And they're trying to figure out as they're all hyperventilating what the issue could be. Very cute Star Trek moment where they're like, use process of elimination and deduction and uh, theory to figure out that this blue dust, which they have never found before, 
in their, it's like not in their system logs that their suits, which filter out most things, would not have known to filter this thing out. And so Detmer has to reprogram the programmable matter of the suits to filter the stuff out. It allows them all to calm down. But then they also realize that possibly through this dust, if that makes sense, somehow through this dust, Species 10C was able to communicate with each other and like emotionally, directly, like empathetically communicate perhaps. And so they were experiencing through that blue dust what the surface must have been like in those final catastrophic days, which would of course create it, would have created that huge fear response. Uh, they do discover a uh, chamber further in, and I'm just going to stick with these guys for now because it's really two storylines, but I don't want to jump back and forth because it's bonkers. They go further in, they discover that this inner place was a nursery for C species 10C, younger, like babies, and that the species would have gathered around this nursery in that moment of, like, you know, of, of catastrophe. And so it gives them, A, a clue that species 10C was sentient and cared about their young, cared about protecting their young in a moment of danger, and B, they're able to turn off their suit protections and, like, get high on the dust inside the nursery stuff they like kind of like michael starts it first and she's like oh man it feels like love and like she gets really into it and they all like oh snap boop, 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 boop. and then they all get high on love dust uh and it's a cute love moment dust. that's what i think of it as <laughs> i was surprised they didn't have someone go like i don't want to go this is too great which i guess is sort of what culver so Culber lingers a bit once they figure out what that is and they get the stuff and they're like, let's collect this and get back. Culber does linger a bit on the dust and uh, Captain Burnham notices that. But they leave for the ship and report back. While all that's going on, Book and Tarka are running around uh, Discovery in Jeffrey's tubes, uh, watching people surreptitiously. Uh, one thing they see is Captain and, uh, blah, 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 is General Ndoya and President Tarina uh, having a conversation in the mess where Ndoya basically expresses in no uncertain terms that she doesn't think that this plan to go down to the service of this gas giant is smart at all and that they're running out of time, that they need to go directly into the field, whether or not they have any way of communicating with Species 10C because time is of the essence. It's the only way they can save Earth and save Navarre and that's it. And she storms out of dinner or lunch or whatever meal it was they were having. And Book is like, hmm, maybe we can get General Ndoya on our side. So, he says to Tarka, you go ahead, you do the thing you want to do to make Zora not notice us. I'm going to go try to convince Ndoya to help us. How does Tarka do this? He programs um, like cascading failures with the replicators, kind of very stupid failures, but that's how he's going to clear out engineering because engineering has in it, uh, for some reason, Stamets is not there. And finally, we get to see a uh, fan favorite, Jet Reno. After how many episodes? It's been so long. Seriously. Yeah. How many episodes? Has it been all season? I don't know if we've seen her all season. I don't think we saw Jet maybe for a second in season, an episode one. I don't think we even did. I think this is the first time. Mm, I think so too. But now uh, Reno is figuring prominently in the plot. <laughs> just like Reno. It's, it's never like, uh, oh, just tertiarily. It's always like hugely tied to what is happening. But don't let me get ahead of myself. Anyway, Reno's there. <laughs> I was further uh, enamored uh, by the fact that there was a long talk about Ractagino, which is Klingon coffee, which I absolutely love. Uh, and, oh, and we have a moment where Adira basically expresses that uh, they have this admiration for um, Detmer and uh, would like to be more confident like them. And Reno encourages them to 
uh, speak to Detmer and not to say uh, that they want to be them because it's creepy. Anyway, Rena's sort of in charge of engineering while things are going on. Uh, Tarka does this thing to get people to clear out with Linus. So Linus and Reno go to check on things. Tarka sneaks in. He puts the thing in, but Rena comes back and is a little, is, is wise to this idea. She's like, it's almost like someone's doing this on purpose. And she discovers Tarka in his hiding place. We cut away from that to other action. Meanwhile, Book is able to speak to Ndoye, but he is not able to, uh, like, they fight a little bit and he's able to relate to Ndoye that he's on their side and wants to keep uh, discovery safe but does also believe in taking action uh, but he does believe that Michael can do what Michael says excuse me what Michael says she'll do he just doesn't believe in species 10c so Ndoye agrees to go along with it but only as a last resort because uh, uh, I guess because she doesn't want to be a complete turncoat even though she disagrees with the, the plans anyway we have a little a dangerous tete-a-tete forming there the away team comes back Stambis informs the diplomats of what's going on. Dr. Harai tries to be slightly better because he's had a conversation earlier with President Rillick, who doesn't like his bedside manner and needs him to be a little bit more reassuring when people are jumpy. Uh, but uh, they have something to go on, which is nice. Michael has to talk with Culber because uh, she noticed that Culber was a little taken with the, uh, the love dust. And Culber admits that he had talked to Kovic and have been told about, you know, how he's working too hard and needed to take some time for himself. And then maybe he has some deeper work to do. Uh, they all sort of faced, like, strong emotions, feeling that uh, what was in that love dust in the uh, in the crash of the planet. Um, but in the end, what really worries Culber is that, is as they, they, they theorize, if Tensi is capable of these emotions and these feelings and understanding and has lost their planet to some, some outside, like, catastrophe... What if they are aware of what they're doing and they don't care? Uh, what will that mean for communication? And Michael is confident that they will find a way to work it out. Finally, Book, who's been sort of spying on Michael, like in a sort of creepy, sort of lovely way, uh, jumps back to the ship. Uh, Tark is like, hey, man, how'd it go? He's like, it went great. And Book walks up to Tarka, only to discover that Tarka has taken Reno hostage as they are on the bottom of Discovery flying into the hyperfield. And that is where we end episode 11, season 4 of Star Trek Discovery, entitled Rosetta. Woohoo! Woohoo, let's chat about it. Let's do it. I say, darling, let's do a quick chat about that. Yes, yes, let's go. Well? Quite a lot happened, I suppose, didn't it? We're starting to come upon species 10c all hell's gonna break loose right mm-hmm. so how big do you think they are well they seem like they're pretty pretty freaking big and listen this that crash thing was quite small it looked like their babies were little yeah but you know look from 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 humble beginnings not unlike this podcast am i right mm-hmm. i guess i have to put aside my theory <laughs> that it's lorca <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, he's probably not About a big, time. flying, big-boned, uh, gas-giant Lizard monster. Lizard insect thing. Uh, but it could be. Okay, it's not him. Oh, God. Don't. Come on. We're beyond, beyond the realms of ridiculous now. You know, they did let slip with the... Uh, well, anyway, the next episode we're going to meet Species 10C, right? I hope so. So we'll see if we'll see if they care and if they can be communicated with and what this dust, how this dust works or whatever. Do you think, though, that... 
the reveal of species density will be a letdown now that we've had almost an entire series not seeing them. A bit like, I mean, Osira was quite good. I, I will say that was still quite a good reveal, mm-hmm. but I don't know if how Tensi will live up to what they've built up. I'm curious. Well, Tensi has to be a highly advanced, giant, balloon, reptile <laughs> species living inside of a hyperfield that surrounds a star and several planets. So it could be super dope. I don't know. I have high hopes as well. Uh, but I don't think Tensi is going to be an enemy. They might be. But I think Tensi is going to be either they're unaware of what they were doing or they, you know, I don't know. I feel like there could be like a machine that's in charge that they didn't realize or I don't know. I, I, I don't know if this is going to connect to some backstory, but I think it'll be an interesting uh, connection with, you know, trying to speak to Tensi and maybe President uh, Rillick and Dr. Harai will shine a bit in that, that, you know, figuring out how to communicate. But I do feel like the real climax is going to come from Book and Tarka. Like, Book is, would under, would not try to do this, but Tarka wants the controller. He's trying to get home. He's driven. He's fanatical. So there's no way. He doesn't care about first contact. That's that. Those two things are working in complete opposition to one another. So Tarka is going to go for it no matter yeah. what. You know? So I just feel like it's just going to end in tears for somebody. Oh, yes. That's a, that's a given. And I think that Tarka yeah. conflict is really going to come to a head once we meet Species 10C. Yeah, I really hope. Yeah, I'm not even going to speak my my direst fears into reality. I just hope we all make it. <laughs> we all live happily ever after. We all live happily ever after. I guess I'm curious about, uh, I love that Reno has showed up. Reno immediately, super charming and cool and hip and everything. Even the way they have her wearing her uniform, the yellow, kind of like unzipped while drinking coffee, giving advice to kids. (laughs) Just so hip. Uh, Immediately is like wisecracking, being taken captive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is this a surprise party? Yeah. Tell tell, tell me this is not a surprise party or whatever she says. It's great. Oh, and then, like, isn't it, isn't it great to be surprised with a surprise hostage? Uh, I just, well, I think it's great. I love Reno showing up in the end and being like, yep, here we are. That might be the, the wedge between Tarka and Book, finally. Well, I'm kind of hoping that, yeah, if there's one person I think of as... Uh, brilliant and sort of personality big enough to take on Tarka, it would be Jet Reno of the, of the characters we have. And someone who knows, like, super science That's what I mean. Brilliant, but also, like, could, like, deal with his, his fucking attitude. I'm sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> his bleeping attitude. Where's my bleep? So, I used to have a bleep. His bleeping attitude. Yeah, I could you bleep me, please? Is gone. I'll bleep you in post. I'm very derisive of Tarka's attitude. I don't like it. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> very late. Right on time. Anyway, yeah. I would love to see Tarka's like, oh, I'm the most brilliant ever. <laughs> uh, versus Reno's like, oh, the human body's just a machine. You know, uh, technique. And we'll see. They're going to maybe fight over book ship. I don't know. That could be cool stuff. Lorca could show up. Probably not, though. Yeah, no. 
We are three seasons away from him now. All right. He could show up. He could show up at any time. He died. He literally <laughs> died. Florida. He didn't die. He fell into that weird star engine in the Terran universe and he could come back. This is neither here nor there. Oh, let's move anyway, on. Let's, we should move on to quotable <laughs> moments, I guess. Quotable moments. Oh, boy. Okay, what have we got? I've only got one that I didn't do in the run. I think I... I so. Is it Dr. Harai? Harai, yes. Said, in other words, make the trip count. Don't screw it up. Yes, and that's I why like the that. president had to pull him aside. Rain him say, in. We need to talk about your bedside manner and that cool moment with the crossword puzzle. Something that you gotta finish with fifth letter G. She's like, boop, 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 boop. Obligation, loser. Anyway. Uh, um, fly good was my other one. Fly good was amazing. Adira, uh, they've made Adira so perfectly uh, brilliant, adept, sort of teenager, awkward, but still making mm-hmm. sense. It's like almost like Wesley, but better. Like I sort of yeah. hated Wesley. No, I didn't really hate. Wesley. Why? Kind of. He was always like, mm, I'm, 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 I know the answer. I don't know. He wasn't. I like that Adira is a little more like a teenager. Awkward, not like scary. But Wesley was pretty awkward, didn't you? He was awkward. He just didn't, he didn't like, he was, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I find Adira heartwarming, charming. I love them. Uh, and uh, Wesley, I was always like, okay. I think it's cool that there's a super smart genius kid. But I was never like really, really into Wesley. He always seemed a little smarter to me. Okay. That's me. Listen, hot take. Adira's better. That's Adira, fair. better than Wesley. How did the kids do that? Adira, greater, amper. Greater than sign. Yeah. You know what? You people say, don't come for me. Come for me, listeners, at me. You want to talk about which young person who's super brilliant in all the Star Treks is the best? I pick a deer at all. <laughs> Is there anyone else? You know what? Just why don't um, super young? Oh, oh hang on. DS Nine had the guy, the, the little chap. Mm-hmm. The little chap. Wow. Yeah, the little chap. You know. Oh, Nog. Oh wait, no. Voyager had uh, young the younguns. What Kim? The Borg. NC no, Kim? the Borg younguns. Oh, 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 oh. yes, yes. But I mean, like, you know, the, the person who's the young, brilliant, prodigal person. Fine. Because okay. that's like, who's like got a, I guess Ensign Kim doesn't count to me, although I guess he was supposed to be young. No, I think we're, why you know, he's, more he's, the young board kids in Voyager. The ones that Seven looked after. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, I uh, God, me too. Anyway. Yeah. It'll they, come to me after the show. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. I suggest you submit an article yeah. to Trek News or something. I want people to at me. Let's make this a brawl in the streets of Twitter. Uh, oh, here's a quote that I did like. I mean, I disagree with it wholeheartedly, but I love when Endoya says, uh, opportunities multiply for those who grasp them, which I think is an insane thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of is it's like a Klingon quality to it, which I... Mm-hmm. I just thought it was very, it was very it was a very interesting saying that really reveals what that future Earth philosophy is like. Do you not think it's just fortune favors the bold in yes, 100%. new language? Yeah, yeah. 
but it's just Fortuna, so... something era. They're fuck. It's Latin. There's some sort of Latin adage. It's that old. <laughs> or... Yes. Anyway, it's a ter Google it. If you want to know. And the answer is... I, Vulcan. Fortis Fortuna Adjuvat. 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 Anyway, shall we move on to Trek News? Trek News. Trek News. News around the galaxy. Well, we have uh, not too much news for you this week, but of course, Star Trek Picard Season 2 premiered last week to rave reviews. Rave. Uh, Rolling Stone, rave reviews. Uh, Rolling Stone called it a highly illogical return to Star Trek, and of course, we pick up the series sometime after Season 1, and our characters have moved on a little bit in work and in life, uh, but we get a return of not one, but two old friends shall we say? Uh, no spoilers, but we're very excited to begin running this down once Star Trek Discovery has wrapped. Are we not? Yes, or at least until I'm when I'm home and I can have control of <laughs> over the internet. The interwebs. <laughs> until when I have yes. the consistent internet. But uh, yeah, because I still haven't seen it. Uh, episode it's one, because I just great. didn't have anything stable. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm so chopping at the bed. I'm do supposed it. to be watching my nieces and nephews. And instead I'm like, uh, do you guys want to watch Picard? <laughs> You guys are six. Do you want to watch Picard? Do it. Uh, it is also Women's History Month, and uh, we took a look back, and according to The Mary Sue, mm -hmm. the original series, uh, only 7.5 of episodes passed the Bechdel test. You're familiar with the Bechdel test, correct? I am very much so. Good. For your dear listener, if you are not, it is when there is dialogue between two women that does not involve a man or mm. Non revolve around two yeah. non men mm. that does not revolve around a man, mm. um, and when we can when we consider the other Star Trek series in the next generation, forty nine point sorry forty four point nine percent in Deep Space Nine it was fifty seven point eight percent, Voyager was very high at eighty six point nine, Enterprise at thirty nine percent. Now while the series took a step sorry while the franchise took a step back with Enterprise, uh, we expect that Discovery, although not yet tested as a whole, will probably have the highest rating of all. I am inclined to agree. I also feel that, uh, yeah, obviously Voyager would be top because when you have women in command positions, they can't be like, oh, yeah. do you think so-and-so likes me? <laughs> uh, like, TV, like TV was for 40 decades. Anyway, 40 yeah. decades, 40 years. Uh, that's many, awesome. Many, many moons. Yes, yeah, many moons. That is many exciting. Moons. Well, that is all from uh, the news. But next week, um, I don't know what's coming. I have to just, have, I'll, I shall keep my finger on the Star Trek pulse. Anyway, mm. that is all. Cannon. Okay. Cannon. Cannon. From Pulse the Cannon. news. <laughs> Gotta love that outro. Anyway. Uh, I think it's time for next time. Good lord. So many, so many things. Next time on Set Phasers. Ooh, next time on Set Phasers, this uh, soon to be award winning podcast about Star Trek, <laughs> I predict. Uh, we'll be discussing the penultimate episode of season four of Star Trek Discovery, uh, the title of which might be Species 10C, or that might just be a thing. I don't know. I saw that Jumping deep in the internet seat. somewhere, but usually they don't. Yeah, second so title, Species Let's 10C. See if I can find it. 
Okay, not titled. All right. I don't trust the source from where I got this information. It was sort of like a sketchy Star Trek blog. You know, the kind you surf when you're kicking it. You still looking? Yeah, I'm still looking. Anyway, next week we will just we will watch and discuss the penultimate episode of Star Trek Discovery's fourth season. It's going to be very exciting. Thank you very much for those of you listening for listening. Uh, uh, You can uh, catch us every Monday except when we're late, like this episode is. Uh, Wherever you get podcasts from, what late? Who us? And uh, yes, uh, please rate and subscribe if you get the chance wherever you do so, so we can drive more listeners to our our pod. Yeah, give us a rating if you would, or a review if you like. Oh, a review. Review. Uh, yes, of course we are. <coughs> Excuse me. Of course we are Star Trek. No, we're not. Of course we are set phasers. <laughs> fuck. Of course we are. I wish we were Star Trek. Oh, fuck. Of course we are. Patreon.com forward slash set phases if you want to join us uh, to go boldly for community things, joining us for Zoom hangs, Netflix watch parties, early access, and more. That is patreon.com forward slash set phasers. Don't forget to follow us on all of the things we are set phasers podcast and set phasers on Facebook and the old Instagram. And I think that is it from us. <laughs> yes, I think you actually covered it. Of course, I, you know, meme game's wrong. Uh, mm. Stevie, make it do what it do. Uh, we can't wait to hear from you. Please uh, sign up for that Patreon. So you, uh, certainly this month we'll be watching an episode and we do a little Zoom hang afterwards, which was super fun that mm-hmm. we inaugurated yes, last month. So I think this will we, be super cool. Yeah, We helped Aki choose his new glasses. I might have new mm-hmm. glasses to try on. I might, I might have more frames. Oh, good. Well, we look forward to that uh, whenever we do that. Well, until next time, I am Stevie Manns. And I am going to fly good. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer. End program. <laughs>